0: What a beautiful morning, guys. What a beautiful morning! What a privilege it is to to lift Jesus to where he should be where he's where he deserves to be, where he is holy, holy, maybe near the water um, outside i don 't know um, you know it's in in a context like this in a church like this, I think we have very well established the fact that the father is a loving father. He's a father that Jesus, when he died on the cross, all the wrath has been turned away. And he's approachable and he's intimate. And he's all of those things. But there are also other aspects to who God is. And, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. Like in the, in the Old Testament, Moses goes up to the mountain and he meets with God face to face. And the glory of God falls on him so much so that when he comes down, the people of Israel look at him and say, we can't look at you. There's this, the glory is too much for us. We can't handle it. In the New Testament, we find um, scripture like what Phil read just now, where the creatures of heaven fall down and they worship. There's nothing that is too high. They fall down in a posture of surrender, a posture of, Lord, you deserve it all. You are the greatest. The 24 elders, who are not the most holy, but they are probably the most prominent in heaven of the humans, they, they, they take all the crowns that, they had, had, that the Lord had given them because they had done certain things, and they throw it down and they say, it's worthless compared to you. And so there are so many different aspects to who our God is. And to almost elevate one above the other is to do ourselves and God a disservice because there is also place for God being God. Yes, he's this intimate father that knows me so deeply. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows my future. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strength. Everything is bare before him. But He is also this incredible God that did something so miraculous that it turned entire humanity around. And so, this morning, I I want to just delve into some of the the things, maybe that, um, uh, particularly around lordship. You know, it's as as children of God, it's important that we have Him on our throne. And I want to start off with a scripture in um, Matthew chapter eight, verse nine. And it's a well known scripture. It's a scripture where where the centurion comes up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, my servant is paralyzed at home. Would you please heal him? And Jesus says to him, yes, I'm happy to do that. I'm coming. And the the centurion says something that is so profound because, first of all, it says, if I just read the scripture, it says here, This is the the centurion's response. He says, For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does this. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who had followed him, Truly I tell you, with, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And so just to expand a little bit about that. You know, the centurion was under the authority of Caesar, the most powerful man in the world at that stage. And he understood how delegated authority worked because Caesar, through the various levels in the, in the Roman army, had delegated authority to him so that he was able to say to this soldier, go and you will do it. And he understood in Jesus that Jesus had the same authority, but not from a man, but from the King of kings and the God of gods, the one who created everything. And he knew that when he spoke to Jesus, first of all, I love his posture. It's so humble. He says, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy that you come to my house. This is a centurion. Is a man of prominence in, in the modern, modern society at that stage. But he says, no, you can just speak the word because he understood that Jesus was under the authority of God Most High. And when he spoke, he would speak. And so this morning, I want to speak about the benefits of being under. You know, in, in a secular sense, um, if we have a look, we, just, we don't even have to go far. We can turn on a TV. We can watch an advert. We can open up a magazine. And we will just see self, self. You know, uh, self-promotion, self-improvement. You know, you need this skin cream to make you look better. You need this or that or whatever. But there's a focus on self, how to get ahead, how to be the best, how to go bigger, higher, and faster. And And some of that is not necessarily all unhealthy, but a lot of it sounds a lot like what the enemy did in the garden where he went up to Adam and Eve and he said to Adam and Eve, God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit, because in the day that you eat of that fruit, you'll be like him. So that you, he was almost putting a little bit marketing spiel in front of them and saying, but you know, if you do this, this is what you could have. And I remember having a chat with a friend of mine. He, um, he had been a Christian, he backslid, and he'd become quite cynical about Christianity and Uh, He was very much into Anthony Robbins and Norman Vincent Peale and Dale Carnegie, uh, a lot of self-help books, think positive, speak positive, get up in the morning, stand in front of the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, you are good looking (laughs) or you are powerful. And I had this discussion with him and he said to me, "But, but this stuff is scriptural. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's a good thing to think good about yourself. It's a good thing to see yourself everything that you can be. I mean, why dwell on the negative? And there is, a, there is an element of truth in that, and that scripture is in the Bible. But as we, dis- as we continued with our discussion, there are some unintended consequences of this type of thinking. You see, the, 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 that type of thinking puts you on the throne of your heart. And the unintended consequences are pride and arrogance and selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. Whereas when we put Jesus on the throne of our hearts, the unintended consequences are humility. Lord, you deserve it all. This morning I stand here and the Lord has given me breath. And he's just given me another one. He keeps on giving. He sustains me. And so he deserves to be on the throne of my heart. And you know, maybe some of that has crept into your life and into my life and into this church. Maybe in a little way, very subtle, some of that might have come through. But it is, our, it is to our benefit to put him right in the center And so in the context of, of our understanding of grace, I think it's important that, that, we, that we just have some perspective. And I, I don't presume to have all the answers, but I would like to propose the following to you, that when I think we've got the element of grace very well established in, in our hearts, in that Jesus died for us, we've become new creations, and we are now seated in heavenly places, so our position is secure. But that position is the start of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. Because the Lord, in all, in all his love and his desire for us to flourish, but not just for us to flourish, but for us to flourish in his grand plan. You see, there's a bigger plan. There's a grand plan that we all play a part in. And in his love and his desire for us, he draws us in. He invites us. He says, no, come on a journey with me. Because transformation is a continual thing. It's not just something that we experience on the day that we receive Jesus in our hearts, but it's something that we work out every day. And you know, I don't have a Bible here this morning, but my Bible is on here, and this is the handbook that He has given us. And they are, they are like a good father. He's given us a handbook on how to navigate things that we face in life. The Bible is not irrelevant. It's not for people that were that lived two, three, four thousand years ago. It's as relevant back then as what it is today, because the same ailments that that plague humanity are still around today. And so our position in Jesus is secure, but we want to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful. We want to have. We want to become more like Him. And so it's from this place that we move. In Acts chapter two, verse forty-seven, um, I love what he says there. He's, um, the writer there, Luke, says that every day the Lord added to their number those who were being made alive. And that is the wonderful journey and the privilege that you and I have, is that in the kingdom we journey from one definition of life into a greater definition of life, into a greater definition of life. In Matthew six thirty-three. Um, Jesus talks to his disciples, and he says, um, let me read it, actually. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek these, all these things. The people that don't know God, they seek all these things. That's this whole thing of pursuit of getting ahead, getting ahead, having enough being successful in my career, being successful in this and that and whatever. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And So I think Jesus here to his disciples, he brings such beautiful perspective, and he just says, The things that people without God, the things that those guys seek for you, don't be worried about those things. Because just focus on seeking His kingdom. Focus on making Him Lord in every opportunity. And I ask myself this question but what does that mean if I seek the kingdom? And I think a very basic definition for that for me would be to just be Jesus where I am. It would be being Jesus to my wife. It would be being Jesus to my children. It would be being Jesus in the office to the people that don't know him or the people that do know him. It would be, it would be helping somebody, taking somebody a meal. It's not always the big power, shundai shandai that, that we, we feel that I need to pray and this guy needs to be healed. And if he doesn't get healed, then I'm not operating in the kingdom. But actually the kingdom is so much more than just that. And so not and so to not give him everything is to shortchange ourselves into him. In 1 Peter 5 or 6, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due season he will raise you up. Well, Johnson says that you know self-promotion will get you into a place, but you will need so much effort and so much work and labor and toil to sustain you there because he didn't open up that opportunity for you or he didn't open up that position for you. But if we allow the Lord to take us to a place, that promotion comes from him, and that is sustainable because he gives us everything that we need for that moment. And so even this morning, thank you for arriving. Please do not stop giving. coming to the church because of what I'm saying this morning. (laughs) But I do know that the Lord has has brought me here. And even as I stand here this morning, there's a confidence in the knowledge that he has brought me here for, uh, for a period of time. And so I can actually draw from him, not from I have to be the best. I have to be the, the fastest. I have to bring that, that revelatory word, revelationary word that breaks things open. I just have to do what he asks me to do. That's all. And he does the rest. And so if I, if I almost have to um, bring it down to a, a, an example that we all can relate to, I'd suggest it's almost like the example of the family. And I think in the modern world, there are many different definitions of family that are dysfunctional. There is a massive attack on the identities of mom and dad and of boys and girls. There's a massive attack on those things. So for the purposes of my discussion this morning, I'm going to use a perfect family, and that would be Robin Kirst, because they are the most (laughs) holy people in this church. They are the people that, that do things absolutely right. But if we just had to presume that they were perfect and they are not... If we had to presume that they were, you know, they have a mandate from God to steward their three children, and that mandate allows them to exercise authority over them, to teach them, and obviously Jude, Maddie, and um, and Miller are very teachable, um, yielding children. <laughs> And so whatever mom and dad speak, they suck up like sponges. And they just sprout forth with fruit because they listen to mom and dad. And I I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but this is the family of the kingdom, is that God, the loving Father, speaks over us. He says, do this, and this will be good. If you do this, this is not going to be so good for you. And really our heart posture should be like those um, unrealistic children, I suppose. Lord, speak. Because we don't always hear clearly. We don't always have him right on the center, on the center of our hearts. We we, we seem to divert from time to time. and But if we... Put Jesus on the, on the or put God on the throne, and we are this teachable. Then the unintended consequences of the family become ours. In the context of a normal earthly family, the children don't have to worry about the rent. They don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about a number of different things because mom and dad provide security. They provide the nurturing. They provide the comfort, and so there is a safe place inside the structure of the family, even in the context of this, of this body that we have here, Rob and Kirst are anointed. And they and, and I love what you, what you shared this morning, Mark, is they are going to ask the Lord for fresh revelation, for fresh direction. And you and I are the benefactors of this. We are the beneficiaries of this because they are being led. And it's the same as well in the context of mom and dad. And it's the same in the context of, of Jesus being, in the, being the Lord of our lives. There is a story in Judges chapter 17. Um, it's an arbitrary chapter. It's just it's not attached to anything before or after. And in the story, there's this a Jewish man by the name of Micah. And it says in, that, in Judges chapter 17 that, um, that everyone did what they thought was best. The word of the Lord and how to serve the Lord and the law was not all that apparent in those days. There was no king in Israel. And as it says here, it says they everyone did as they thought best. And so Micah, in his ignorance, he felt, well, the best way to serve the Lord was to have a shrine. And on the shrine, he got a, a, a silversmith to make um, a household god. And that, and that was taken from the surrounding nations used to do that. They used to have these household gods. The Romans used to have that as well. And so he had a household god. But he had an ephod because he had heard somewhere that an ephod is a good thing. It's a priestly garment. And, and he, he really, in his limited knowledge and his ignorance, he tried to do the best that he possibly could in serving God. And the one day a Levite walks past and he speaks to this Levite and he says, but don't you want to become my Levite? And the Levite says yes, and he said he'll pay him and whatever, and so the Levite served as a priest in his little shrine, and at the end of the chapter, Micah says, now I know that the Lord will favor me. And it can become a bit like that, even in the church, it can become a bit like that, that we have got, we've got our career program, we've got this program, we've got this, and we've got Jesus on the mantle And now I know the Lord's going to favor me because I've now got Jesus on the mantle. I've even got a priest that wears an ephod. But actually all that means very little if we don't bring him in. I heard a guy speak (coughs) once and he said, you know, it's almost like sometimes we're driving down the highway and there's Jesus on the side of the road. And we stop and we say, hey, Jesus, where do you want to go? Okay, hop into the boot. And he hops into the boot. But you know what? Jesus wants the keys. Because only when Jesus has the keys can he take us to places we could never have imagined. Only when he has the keys can all the unintended benefits of the kingdom filter into our lives. Only once he has the keys can we really become everything that he speaks over us. And so recently I felt... I felt I needed to align in my heart because in a way I'd become a little bit discontented with the Father because He didn't come through for me in the way that I wanted Him to. He didn't do what I wanted Him to do in the way that I wanted Him to do it. And the unintended consequences of that was that I started becoming dry. And when I heard this, this, this word just about making Him Lord again in my life, like the next day I could just see the gratitude was flowing and thankfulness was flowing and there was life that I could, I could enjoy with my wife and my children and with friends. Suddenly, suddenly there was life again. And, and this, is, this, is the, this is the wonderful thing. You know, God's design is perfect. We can try and go on our own way and we can try and do it ourselves. No, God, you didn't do it the way that I wanted you. I want those keys back. So now we're going this way. But I'm driving with my limited knowledge. I don't know the way. But God sees this incredible tapestry. He sees everything, how everything fits together. I just see this one little bit. And in my, in my limited understanding, I can go in a direction. But it's not going to be as wonderful as he wanted for me. Because Jesus is saying, give me the keys. Let me show you. Let me show you. And this morning, there's an invitation. There's an invitation for all of us. You know, maybe, maybe there's no adjustment required in your life, and we celebrate with you. We celebrate that Jesus is on, this, on the throne of your life. Maybe there's a small adjustment that you need to make, or maybe there's a big adjustment that you need to make. But I can promise you that whatever adjustment that we make, it is always going to be good. Because as we align ourselves with him and what he says, we experience the life and life abundantly that he has always promised us and that we have experienced. But he wants that to become more and more and more. Like the centurion who understood that there are so many benefits coming in under the authority of whoever is your superior. There is an alignment. And when we align, then suddenly life flows in a family. So we're going to have communion this morning. Um, Peter, Peter, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Um, Just something, just while Peter's coming up. You know, one of the things that I had spoken over myself, I I remember saying to a friend of mine, I I said to him, I feel like I'm operating in anti-favor, that whatever I touch turns to fertilizer. And I want to read out of Psalm 103, verse 20. And it says, This is what the psalmist is writing about. um, Well, he's writing about the angels. And he says, Bless the Lord, O you, his angels. He's speaking to angels. You mighty ones who do his word. So what he's saying here is he's saying that even the prophecies that, that um, the Lord has given you, the prophecies that Bron was referencing this morning, those words come from God. And the angels perform those works. The angels feed on those words. So i suggest that it's logical that if you speak death over your life, or you speak things that are not in alignment with your life, the angels are not working, but the other guys are. And so this morning, if you have, have spoken anything over yourself, ask the Holy Spirit now in this intimate time, ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal in your heart, is there anything that I need to repent of? Are there any words that I need to retract? Has, has, ha, have other people spoken things over me that I need to break? Because I know that what you speak over me, and take those words that Bron talks about. When he says good things about you, Take those words because those empower the angels to move on your behalf. just you and the father it's just you and him heed his invitation Father, this morning we come to you as your sons and your daughters. And Lord, we delight, Father God, to just align ourselves under you. Bring ourselves in alignment with your kingdom, with your will for us, Lord. We, we shift over, Father God, from our own little throne, Lord. And we say, you, Lord, you, you come and take this place. You, Lord, be life. You, Lord, be God over our careers, over our finances, over our sexuality. You come and you be God over everything, Lord. You, God, you take the place, Lord, because you are our Lord. You are our Lord. Jesus, you bought and you paid us, paid for us, Lord. Our breath, our very breath this morning comes from you.